It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? It is Friday, July 10th, 2020. This is Locked On Phillies. I'm Tim Kelly. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. And a reminder, you can always support Locked On Phillies by supporting our sponsors. Rock Auto is our title sponsor for today's show. Come on, you know and you love Rock Auto's jingle. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Let me say that again because it's so much. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. What more could you possibly want? Go to rockauto.com and tell them Locked On Phillies sent you. So with MLB draft in the books and two of the top Phillies prospects expected to make an impact on the 2020 season, I figured it would be a good time to catch up with Keith Law, who's the preeminent expert on MLB farm systems. Keith was with ESPN for a long time, and now he's over at The Athletic doing tremendous work. I talked with Keith about Mick Abel, Spencer Howard, Mickey Moniak, Alec Bohm, and a bunch of other things. Let's take a listen. All right, so we'll start with this. I know you didn't think that the Phillies would take a high school pitcher. So what did you make of the selection of Mick Abel when they ultimately did do that? Well, I spoke to people in the organization afterwards, and they said uh, it was true. They they would not have considered a high school pitcher at that pick except for Mick Abel, who was the best high school pitcher in the draft class. I don't think I'm the only person who believed that. I think I was probably stronger in saying I didn't think there was anybody particularly close to him. And it turns out that the Phillies believed the same thing. They thought Abel was head and shoulders above everyone else, and they thought that maybe in a typical draft he would go before them. Typically in a draft we see, uh, before last year at least, we always saw, saw at least one high school pitcher go before the 15th pick. So they felt really fortunate that this year teams were steering away from high school pitchers. Also thought that Abel was substantially different than other high school pitchers in the draft class, and I can I can buy that. Even if I would not personally have necessarily taken him there, given just given who else was on the board, uh, I do like the pick, and I I absolutely understand the pick because I again I think they're correct in evaluating him as something different than all of the other high school pitchers in the draft class. So after they take Mick Abel in the first round, they did not have a second-round pick after signing Zach Wheeler. I know there was quite a bit of excitement, though, from the Phillies that Casey Martin fell to them in the third round. He isn't a prospect without flaws, but he appears to have a high ceiling. What was your opinion of him as a prospect? Yeah, well, he wasn't a first-round pick. Um, you know, he could have been one, right? If he'd come out and performed this spring, he had a pretty mixed track record of performance, but he's got tremendous tools. But he stunk this spring, and that's why he was still available when the Phillies picked in the third round. I think in the third round, that's great value. You don't get a chance, typically, to get a college player with this kind of tool set that late in the draft. He's a plus-plus runner. It's a good chance he stays at shortstop, but if you can't say that, he's probably going to be fine at third base. But you've just got a lot of work to do with him at the plate. Everything is so dead pull right now, and he's really not shown the ability to recognize breaking stuff so far. So he's a development guy, and that's not necessarily a strength of the Phillies organization so far. They're going to have their work cut out for them, but they've made some changes on the player development side, and I am 
uh, at least keeping an open mind and, and trying to be optimistic here that I think we all know what Martin needs to do to change, to become a productive enough hitter to potentially be a big league regular, or maybe even something more. But uh, the it, part of the challenge is the Phillies have not had great luck developing hitters, and then part of the challenge is that it's going to be on Martin himself. and We don't really know how he's going to respond to this kind of um, – the kind of adversity he's going to face even on the low minors once he's able to get out play and he starts seeing better quality off-speed stuff even than he saw in the SEC. After the draft, I had a chance to ask uh, new Philly scouting director Brian Barber what pitcher he thought could emerge in between Spencer Howard, who's likely to make his debut this season, and Mick Abel, who obviously they have high hopes for but is years away because he was a high school guy. And he admitted to me that he hasn't been in the organization long enough, and this year's obviously been crazy to form that opinion. Do you think there's an arm that could emerge as a frontline starter, even like a number three starter, in between Spencer Howard and Mick Abel? No, they do not have a pitching prospect like that. I mean, number three starters are pretty hard to come by. They're typically above league average starters. Uh, once you can line everybody up, and I don't think they have anybody else in their system who is likely to get to there. I mean, the next highest-ranked pitching prospect in their system I had before Abel was Francisco Morales, who's much more likely to end up in the bullpen just because he doesn't have the command or control to be a starter. He's got the two pitches to be a frontline starter, but until and unless he starts throwing strikes on a more consistent basis, let alone showing something close to average command, I am still going to continue to project him as more likely to end up in the bullpen than to be able to stay in the rotation. Are scouts pretty much out on uh, Adonis Medina? Um, I wouldn't go quite that far. Uh, I personally am lower on him maybe than, let's say, maybe than Phillies fans would like me to be, too, because, one, he doesn't miss a lot of bats, and, two, I don't think he has a very good feel for pitching at all. And in, in, in that, I'm in, including what is pretty consistently below average command and also what is just, I think, a lack of an idea of what he's doing. He's got power stuff, but he doesn't really have much in the way of the art of setting up hitters or understanding what pitches to best deploy in what situations. And when you have trouble like he's had in double and triple A, it's hard to project him to be a major league starter. I think he'll do much better when he goes to the bullpen and his, and his stuff will hold up. He's also had a hard time holding velocity deep into games. And I think you just put him in the pen and say, look, throw as hard as you can for an inning or two. Then you don't have to worry as much about precise command. You don't have to worry as much about the artist setting up a hitter multiple times over the course of a game. Just say, go out. you got a great arm. Go out or throw. I think he'll be much more productive in that role. One guy the Phillies had who I don't think there's a ton of debate that's going to be either a frontline starter or really, really good in the bullpen was Sixto Sanchez. And obviously, JT Real Muto had a tremendous season. But I would still suggest in a lot of senses the jury is still out on that trade because if you traded a frontline starter to a division rival, you're probably going to want that one back in a few years. Where do you stand on Sanchez? Because the Phillies aren't going to see him in pinstripes, but they're going to see him uh, on a rather regular basis maybe this year, but definitely in the coming years. I don't think he's a frontline starter. Uh, I think he's good. I think he's a good prospect. I thought it was a very reasonable deal for the Phillies. I think they got probably more than they gave uh, when you add it up. Sixto has had trouble staying healthy, and he's had a lot of issues with his conditioning. And I think in terms of him uh, you know, being able to stay healthy and keep his body in shape uh, and develop the off-speed stuff he's, he would need to be a frontline starter, it's too many ifs. 
I think he's probably going to end up a pretty good starter because it's very, very easy velocity, and he does throw a lot of strikes. Um, I, and so far, he has not had the catastrophic injury that frankly I was worried he was going to have when he started missing time with elbow soreness or forearm tightness when he was with the Phillies. He was reasonably healthy last year for the Marlins. And I, you know, could I buy him staying healthy as a 170-inning-a-year starter who's maybe a two or a three in, in a decent rotation? Yeah, I could see that. Phillies might regret giving that up, but I think that's kind of what you're going to give up to get a player of JT Realmoto's caliber for a couple of years. I know a lot of Phillies fans thought, and there were some, you know, sort of like blogs that were claiming Sanchez was going to be a top of the rotation starter. There was a brief minute where it looked like that might be true, but his secondary stuff really wasn't there and hasn't developed to the point where I would say that's a realistic possibility. Phillies fans are extremely excited about Spencer Howard. Now, he had a shortened season last year, but when he pitched, he wasn't perfect, but he was really, really, really good and he's likely at some point to make his Major League debut this season. What do you think Spencer Howard's ceiling is? So I had him 22nd on my off-season top 100. This is back in February. Uh, I think the fastball... He's up in the zone to get swings and misses, to get hitters to just cut right under it. Uh, I think that he's going to end up with two pretty good breaking balls. His ultimate ceiling may depend more than anything else on how his changeup develops. He kills right-handed hitters. and He really doesn't need to change a single thing for him to be effective against major league right-handed hitters. He has a little bit of a platoon split. Lefties got to him. Right-handed hitters couldn't touch him at all. But lefties got him enough that I would say that's the hurdle he has to pass. I think he could end up a, a pretty good number two starter for a long time with some development on that pitch. So maybe that's uh, and maybe that's improvement to the changeup. Maybe it's an alteration to the changeup. And we say, the Phillies say, well, they're going to give him something else. They'll give him a splitter or just change his grip or something. I don't know. But he needs a better weapon against left-handers to get up to that level where he's maybe not quite a number one, but a really, really good number two. And, and they should be thrilled with that outcome. The other top prospect that's going to make his major league debut this season in all likelihood is Alec Bohm. I don't think there's too many questions about whether he can stick in the middle of an order. There are a ton of questions about him as a defender. Do you think his future is at third base, DH, first base, left field, some combination? What do you see of him defensively? I'm leaving him at third. Now, I fully acknowledge the possibility that he either won't be good enough that he's because I think he's fine at third. I don't think he's plus or any or even above average. I think he's adequate. Um, it's possible to get to the majors, and the game is faster up there, and it's possible we'll see some deficiencies. It's also possible that if he gets a little older, he'll slow down or get bigger, and that would move him off the position. But right now, I say leave him at third base. He's worked to improve his conditioning. His footwork, I think, is fine. Uh, I, his arm is certainly fine for third base. I am not rushing to move him off of the position. And as it is, they already have a bit of a log jam over at first, uh, waiting essentially for a DH spot for Reese Hoskins. So I'm all in favor of letting Baum continue to play third base until he shows us something that says he can't play there. Is Bohm or Howard the Phillies' top prospect in your mind? Uh, Howard. If you go back to what I wrote in the spring, I had Howard ranked uh, one and Baum two in their system. Okay. Uh, the Phillies had hoped, uh, and obviously there were strategic elements of why they took Mickey Moniak with the number one overall pick in 2016. was not a great class by all accounts, but... 
I mean, at this point, never mind that he was the number one pick, just for a first-round pick in general, it feels disappointing. What do you make of him, and what can be salvaged of his career at this point? Because, I mean, it hasn't been a complete disaster, but certainly doesn't look like a first-round impact to this point. Um, I would actually say for a first overall pick, it's a complete disaster. You're looking at an extra outfielder, and that's a disaster. You pick first overall, and yes, it was not a great draft class, but just I just pulled up. The rest of the top ten includes Nick Senzel, who's a big leaguer. Ian Anderson is a top 50 prospect in baseball. Braxton Garrett, who now that he's healthy again, is a top 50 prospect in baseball. Matt Manning, who's probably going to debut in the majors this year, he's a top 30 prospect in baseball. And A.J. Puck, who's going to be in Oakland's rotation. That's just the top 10. So I'm not saying they should have taken someone who wasn't seen as a top 10 pick. They passed on a bunch of guys who were right there for them, who should have been considerations at number one overall. And they took a player who had far less upside. That was really my biggest criticism of Moniak. It's not that I thought Moniak was terrible, because I didn't. If you go back and see what I wrote at the time about Moniak, I thought he was a perfectly fine prospect. And if they'd taken him eighth in the draft, I would have said, fine, it just didn't work out. But you pick first. You know exactly who's available to you. And I think in that case, they, they played it safe, and they particularly fell in love with Moniak, the person, uh, rather than considering upside. You, you absolutely, when you pick first overall, you have to be going for the most upside you can possibly get, uh, because that's typically not available to you. And if you were, you typically don't want to, think like you're going to draft first overall again in the near future. And they didn't do that. They played extremely safe into the very low upside guy. And Moniak isn't going to hit even the upside that he had. I think he really has to, he's not going to be able to play center field well enough to do it regularly in the majors. And he has never been able to pick up off speed stuff. His recognition of left-handed breaking stuff or right-handed change-ups, every time I've seen him has been way below average. And I think it's just going to limit him to some kind of reserve role in the major leagues. The final question I have is more of a general one. The Phillies had a change in scouting director this past offseason, so things could change more. They certainly haven't been the cream of the crop in terms of finding talent over the last couple seasons. It does appear they've improved from what they had done the past 10 years before that, where it, it was a disaster in terms of finding and developing players. Do you feel like the farm system is at least heading in the right direction? I thought this year's draft was good for them. Um, I'm really curious to see what they do next year, assuming that we have a regular draft and that the Phillies have uh, all their top picks, uh, because I'd like to see what the change in leadership there uh, means for them, because I've met Johnny Almaraz. I think he's a perfectly nice guy, but I did not agree with his amateur draft philosophy overall, and I think he had quite a bit of autonomy, too, independent of the front office, enough, at least, that you could see his influence on a lot of picks, and I think that it's part of why... Uh, they weren't productive. They particularly were not productive in the first round. They kind of had it backwards. They hit on a few guys after the first round. But the first round is sort of the easy money. It's your best chance to get a big leaguer in the draft, and it's your best chance to get a star in the draft. And I felt like they lost too many, gave away too many of those opportunities. So I am optimistic, but we don't have a lot of new information, a lot of data to go off of in terms of what Brian Barber will be like as a scouting director to, to say anything stronger than that. Keith Law, he's a senior baseball writer for The Athletic, which you should definitely subscribe to if you haven't already. Keith, thanks for joining Locked on Phillies. My pleasure. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.